Hi, I'm Robert Jeffress, and I'm glad to serve as your Bible teacher every day on this great radio station on today's edition of Pathway to Victory. Today we're talking about a mountain, an obstacle between us and the blessed life that God wants for us. It's a mountain that frankly everybody experiences, but nobody wants to talk about. It's the mountain of loneliness. And if you've ever felt lonely before, I think you're going to be encouraged by today's message as we talk about how to move from loneliness to companionship. Welcome to Pathway to Victory with author and pastor, Dr. Robert Jeffress. Loneliness may be a widespread issue in our day, but it's certainly not new. The Bible is filled with examples of men and women who struggled with feeling alone. And today on Pathway to Victory, Dr. Robert Jeffress will look at several of those heroes who paved the way from loneliness to companionship. Now, here's our Bible teacher to introduce today's message. Dr. Jeffress? Thanks, David, and welcome again to Pathway to Victory. On today's program, I'm going to present another message in the teaching series called Invincible. And before we begin, I'd like to give you a little nudge and remind you that time is running short to request your copy of the book I've written to coincide with this teaching series. It, too, is called Invincible. The Christian life is not a static process. In my book, I explain how to accelerate your walk with God by choosing to implement His plan for your life. In Invincible, I address 10 common barriers that separate us from the blessed life God wants us to experience, like lust, worry, loneliness, grief, and many others as well. Now, in addition to my book, I'm going to include an exclusive set of encouragement cards from the Invincible series. Each one of these 10 cards identifies a specific mountain, an obstacle in your life, and it gives you a relevant scripture promise to overcome that barrier. For example, when you feel stuck in a rut of discouragement, the card instructs you with this promise— The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So, when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory, I'll be sure to send you my book, Invincible, and the set of 10 encouragement cards as well. Be ready to jot down our contact information at the end of the program. But right now, let's turn in our Bibles to the 25th Psalm. From the Invincible series, I titled today's message, Moving from Loneliness to Companionship. The fact is, ladies and gentlemen, you and I were created by God for companionship. And every day, we're deprived of that companionship. It's like being deprived of oxygen. We die a little more every day. And yet, feelings of loneliness and isolation have never been more acute. God's plan is for us to be joined together physically, emotionally, spiritually with another person. That was God's plan from the beginning, by the way. Remember in Genesis 2, 18, after God had created man, he said, it is not good for the man to be alone. People deal with loneliness. But here's the positive thing I can share with you. Loneliness doesn't have to be paralyzing. If you struggle with loneliness... You're not alone. A.W. Tozer, the preacher and writer, observed most of the world's greatest souls have been lonely. That's true in every realm of life. I was looking this week just at some examples of loneliness in the Bible. 
In the Old Testament, three come to mind. One is Moses. He suffered from the loneliness of leadership. Secondly, I think about King David. First, in his youth, he was out in the Judean wilderness as a shepherd. He suffered the loneliness of isolation. But then when he became king of Israel, he suffered the loneliness that came from betrayal. Just imagine having your own son lead a rebellion against you. He experienced the loneliness that comes from sin. After his sin with Bathsheba, he wrote about that experience. Psalm 25, verses 16 to 18. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. And then I think of Jeremiah, the prophet. He's known as the weeping prophet. He experienced the loneliness that comes from standing for God. Anytime you stand for God, it's going to be a lonely experience. In the book of Lamentations, Jeremiah wrote about his loneliness. Verses 1 and 2, I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. But later he declared in that same chapter, verses 22 to 23, the words we use for the great hymn, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never cease for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. When I look at the New Testament, of course, my first thought when I think of somebody who experienced isolation was our Lord himself. Jesus felt the pain of being betrayed by his closest followers, by his friends, his disciples, even his own family turned their back on Jesus. But most painful of all, Jesus felt being abandoned by God. As he hung on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Don't try to explain away that verse. Jesus meant what he said. He felt abandoned by God. Have you ever felt that way before? That God doesn't hear your cry to him? Jesus experienced that. That's the ultimate loneliness. And then I think about the apostle Paul. Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. This is the last letter he wrote before he was beheaded. Remember, Paul was actually imprisoned in Rome on two different occasions. The first imprisonment was from 60 to 62 AD. He was really under house arrest. He had a lot of freedom. He could receive visitors. He could write letters. That's where the prison epistles came from. Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, Philemon, the prison epistles. But then he was arrested again. And this time he was put in the Mamertine prison. Many of us have been there before. To call it a prison is really overstating it. It was really more like a hole in the ground that the sewage ran through. It would make San Quentin and Alcatraz today look like the Ritz-Carlton. I mean, it was a horrible place to be. And as Paul was there awaiting his trial and his ultimate beheading, he wrote this letter to Timothy. He said, please come to me as soon as you can. Verse 9 of chapter 4. And then he went on to say again in verse 21, make every effort to come before winter. Timothy was in Ephesus. It would take four months to get there. And he said, I want you to get here before winter because I need you to bring me some things. I need a cloak. I'm getting cold. And by the way, when you come, bring the books and the book. The books probably were early drafts of the gospels that had just been written by 62 
The book was probably a reference to the parchments, the Old Testament. But then he started to do an honest assessment with Timothy of what had happened to him. He said in verse 16, at my first defense, no one supported me, but all deserted me. And he pointed out several people whom he was terribly disappointed in who had left him. He said, Demas, verse 10, Demas has forsaken me, a fellow worker, because he loved this present world. Paul had trusted Demas, but Demas said, I'm tired of the persecution. I'm tired of living in poverty. You know, I'm out of here. And then he said, not only did Demas forsake me, verse 14, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. This uh, word that is translated did me much harm is a word that refers to um, snitching on somebody, an informant. Apparently, Alexander accused Paul of sedition to the Roman authorities that led to his ultimate trial and martyrdom. I understand what Paul was doing here. Paul wasn't having a pity party for himself in the Mamertine prison. He was being honest with his protege, Timothy, a young pastor. He said, Timothy, don't depend on other people. The people I trusted in, they left me. But bring the scriptures when you come. What I'm trying to say to you is loneliness is natural, but it doesn't have to be lethal. And there is a way out of the shadow of loneliness. And in the few moments that we have left right now, I want to open God's word and talk about what I call the ABCs of moving from loneliness to companionship. First of all, A, acknowledge your feelings of loneliness. Don't try to slap on a super smile or engage in holy hallelujahs or pious platitudes when they don't fit. Be honest with yourself and with God about your feelings. David was. He cried out in Psalm twenty-two, sixteen: turn to me and be gracious to me for I am lonely and afflicted. Be, be proactive in conquering loneliness. You make the moves you need to to conquer the problem of loneliness. It may begin with looking at yourself. Why is it there aren't people around you? What is the cause of your loneliness? It could be a poor self-image. Maybe you're thinking, I don't deserve to have friends, or I've got this physical defect, or this personality disorder, or I don't have the right heritage or background. My economic level isn't what it needs to be to attract the friends. You can come up with all these self-image reasons. Remember Ephesians 2.10. Paul said, for we are God's workmanship, created by Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That word workmanship is the Greek word poema. We get poem from it. Do you realize you are God's poem? You are the expression of God himself. And every part of your life, Psalm 139 says, your physical characteristics, your personality, everything about you, the days of your life and how you live them were all foreordained by God. There are no accidents. Maybe as you look inwardly, it's not a self-image that's the problem. It's selfishness. You say, I'm too busy. I have any friends. 
That's code for I'm too wrapped up in myself to have any friends. Remember, friendship, companionship is not a luxury. It's a necessity. And maybe it's time for you to reach out to other people. Have you ever heard the expression, maybe your parents used it with you, the best way to have a friend is to what? Be a friend. Reach out to somebody else. Paul actually said the same thing. In Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, he said, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest, but also for the interest of others. You want to have friends? Try this. Try meeting somebody else's need. Ask, what can I do to help you? If you'll make that move, you'll have more friends than you'll know what to do with. People are clamoring to be around somebody who takes an interest in them. You know, the thing I want you to understand is friendship, again, isn't a luxury. It is absolutely essential for our spiritual, our emotional, even our physical well-being. An article in the magazine Modern Maturity said, quote, Researchers have determined that participation in formal social networks, that is church and community groups, is an even more important predictor of mortality than a person's health. That's an amazing statement when you think about it. The greatest determining factor of how long you live is not your blood pressure. It's not your cholesterol. It is whether or not you're connected to other people. Now, as we think about reaching out to other people and uh, filling our life with friends, companionship, we need to review the four levels of companionship so we don't have um, greater expectations than are realistic. The most basic level of friendship, the beginning level, is acquaintances. These are people you run into every week. You don't know their name. You just see people at the grocery store. You see them at school. You see them at church, but you have no interaction with them. Uh, This is where most friendships begin, but with most of these people, it will never evolve into anything else. The second level is casual friends. These are people that we have some contact with. Most of the time, we will know their first names, but if we do engage in conversations, it's only superficial things, the weather, the stock market, sports, and so forth. The third level is close friends. Most people, if they're fortunate, have anywhere from five to 25 of these people. These are people with whom you have a shared interest, perhaps shared spiritual views, These are people that you feel comfortable asking to pray with you, for example, about a certain situation. Again, if we have five to 25 close friends, uh, that's a good thing. But the fourth, the deepest level of companionship would be intimate friends. These are people you allow into your personal world. These are people with whom even if one moves away and you don't see them for a month, A year, when you see them again, you pick up right where you left off again. There's just a bond there. These are the people that if you had a crisis in your life at three o'clock in the morning, these are the people, or this is the person you would call. If you have 
one to no more than five of these, you are a blessed person. Now, the key is we need all four levels, but acquaintances, casual friends aren't going to fill the void that you need for companionship. It may be the pool out of which those people come, but we all need close friends and we need intimate friends. And the best place to find those close friends and intimate friends who will encourage you is the church. It just is. The church is the best place to find those people. I want you to turn over to Hebrews chapter 10 for just a moment. Hebrews chapter 10. Remember the Hebrew Christians were under persecution. They were in danger of giving up their faith. And the writer says in verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Don't waver in your faith. Well, that's great to say, but how do you keep from wavering? Look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Church family, we need to be together to encourage one another. You need the church and we need you. Now, that's straight from God's word. That's straight from God's word. We need one another. We're like those porcupines up in northern Canada in the frozen tundra region that huddled together to keep warm. They needed each other even though they needled each other. <laughs> we need one another in the body of Christ. How do you deal with loneliness? A, acknowledge your feelings. B, be proactive in conquering loneliness. And third, cultivate your relationship with God. St. Augustine said this, you have made us for yourself and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. Like the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle, a relationship with God is that final piece that makes the picture complete. We need God. Now, I know some of you are probably saying, wait a minute, preacher, you're contradicting yourself. Don't you just remember what you said earlier? You said in Genesis 2.18, it's not good that man be alone. Adam had a relationship with God. It wasn't enough. That's all true. But remember this, having a relationship with God alone does not prevent loneliness. But not having a relationship with God guarantees loneliness. You see the difference? Having a relationship with God alone doesn't prevent loneliness, but not having that relationship guarantees it. It all begins with our relationship with God. David understood that. Remember in Psalm 25 verse 18, after he had admitted his loneliness, he said, Look upon my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. For David, cultivating a relationship with God, for the man who is a man after God's own heart, it started with the confession of sin. Maybe that's where it starts for you. Maybe you're a Christian and you've allowed some sin in your life to become a barrier between you and God. Confess that sin. But cultivating a relationship with God 
doesn't stop there. It means communicating with God and allowing God to communicate to you through his word. Psalm 119 verses 24 and 25, David said, your testimonies are also my delight. They are my counselors. My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. There's something about being in scripture that revives our relationship with God. It gets us out of that bubble of isolation. Remember, Paul said, bring me the books and bring me the book as I'm alone in this prison cell. We have many of you who are prisoners who watch our program every week. You understand that isolation. I'm so proud of some of you I hear from who are studying God's word. You're listening to our broadcast. You're drawing near to God. Paul said, I need God's word. 1,500 years after Paul said that, there was another man who looked to God's word to revive him and his relationship with God. His name was William Tyndall, the Bible translator, the reformer, the great Bible scholar. He was imprisoned in Belgium, and he wrote to the Marquis of Bergen these words, I beg you, your lordship, and that by the Lord Jesus, that if I must remain here for the winter, you will beg the commissary to be so kind as to send me from the things that belong to me, a warm cap, I feel the cold painfully in my head, also a warmer cloak, for the cloak I have is very thin. He also has a woolen shirt of mine, if he will send that. But most of all, my Hebrew Bible, grammar and vocabulary, please send those that I may spend time in that pursuit. I'm going to tell you, after studying Hebrew for three years at Dallas Seminary, if I were on my deathbed, the last thing I would ask for is a Hebrew Old Testament. (laughs) There is nothing about that that would revive me at all. It would finish me off. But for William Tyndale, the pursuit of that Hebrew Old Testament was the same thing as pursuing God. The way you pursue God is through his word. Listen to me today. Like the Apostle Paul, like William Tyndale, if you are in the shadow of loneliness, if it has overtaken every part of your life, remember the beginning place for conquering loneliness. Not the ending place, the beginning place is cultivating, renewing your relationship with God. In today's world, close relationships are challenging to maintain. As you get older, we can become disconnected from friends, family members, and church. But when you choose to pursue companionship with God and others, you will start the journey to a better and brighter future. And today, I'd like to send you a copy of my book on the topic, Invincible, because there's a chapter that goes into far more detail on this important topic we discuss today. With God's help, you can move from loneliness to companionship. In my book, Invincible, I address other relevant topics as well, such as how you can move from lust to purity, and how you can move from fear to courage. Let me send you a hardbound copy of my book, Invincible. I'll send it to your home along with my thanks when you give a generous gift to support the ministry of Pathway to Victory. 
Now, in addition to my book, I'll be sure to include the set of 10 encouragement cards from this Invincible Teaching Series. These are printed in such a way that you can carry them with you, or you can place them in a prominent spot in your home. 10 cards, 10 verses, and 10 ways to move mountains with God's help. Thanks in advance of receiving your generous gift. Pathway to Victory has been growing by leaps and bounds, and it's because more and more people like you are joining us in this all-out effort to pierce the darkness with the light of God's Word. I look forward to hearing from you today. David? Thanks, Dr. Jeffers. Today, when you invest in the ministry of Pathway to Victory by giving a generous gift, we'll say thanks by sending you the best-selling book by Dr. Jeffers called Invincible, Conquering the Mountains that Separate You from the Blessed Life. You'll get that along with a set of 10 Invincible Encouragement Cards. Plus, you'll also receive the DVD and CD for a brand new message that Dr. Jeffress recently delivered to an audience of national Christian broadcasters. The message is called, When Persecution Comes. Call us at 866-999-2965 or visit our website, ptv.org. And when you give $75 or more, we'll also send you the complete collection of audio and video discs for the Invincible Teaching Series. You'll get that along with a personal and group study guide. One more time, call 866-999-2965 or go online to ptv.org. You can also send your donation by mail. Write to P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. Again, that's P.O. Box 223-609, Dallas, Texas, 75222. I'm David J. Mullins. Fear is a natural and sometimes helpful reaction, but fear does not have to control us. Learn how to move from fear to courage, Friday on Pathway to Victory. Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert Jeffress comes from the pulpit of the First Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas.